ADD Cast Episode 62. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the ADD Cast. I am your host, Paul Fisher, and on my left, as always, my lovely missus. Hey, sweetie. Martha Holloway. Thank you for joining me tonight, love. (laughs) It's my pleasure. Well, tonight we have an interview that we are going to be doing with with a dynamic duo of the podcasting world. Mm Mm-hmm. Miss it? Would it be Ms.? I prefer Ms. 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 Mer Lafferty and and her spouse, Jim Van Verth. I also prefer Ms. <laughs> Ms. Jim Van Verth. <laughs> Welcome to the ADD cast. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you. So we have uh, we have first to get take care of the business. I am going to be drinking a dogfish head. A uh, 90-minute IPA. Woot, woot. (laughs) Are you guys uh, imbibing anything tonight? I have a a Brooklyn Brewery Black Chocolate Stout. Ooh, that sounds delicious. That's some good stuff right there. And because, as far as I know, most of the beer in the house, or all the beer in the house, is too bitter for my taste, um, I'm drinking a uh, Ravenswood Cabernet. Ah, that sounds lovely. Lovely, lovely. I'm drinking a Young White. Yes. (laughs) It was a very good moment from the tap. Ah, nice. Filtered filtered and chilled at at, uh, Dancing Cat Studios, (laughs) a very limited edition. Very. <laughs> what year? 2008. Nice. Mm. Yeah. We get we keep the fresh stuff. You know, we we don't let stuff get stale. <laughs> nope, nope. <laughs> it's not as tasty that way. Nope, not at all. So, uh, I know that um, this is uh, this is kind of an auspicious moment in, in the history of your household. Uh, you have a, a phenomenal uh, book coming out, and uh, hard on the heels of the double trouble promotion for that's Mr. right for T. Morris and uh, Philippa Valentine that uh, happened on eight eight oh eight. Yep, and uh, this is a, a uh, it technically not not uh, you know well. This is this is a book. spit it out, honey. I, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. This is a book that will help uh, many people uh, uh, flesh out their own uh, superheroes in, in in many different ways. The essential math- mathematics for games and interactive applications: a programmer's guide. What what edition the, is that? The third edition. Oh, that would be the second. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> Amazon seems to think it's the third. Really? Uh, well. No, no, interactive. No, I'm wrong. Uh, the great. Morgan Kaufman series in in interactive 3D technology. You saw the three and you I, thought it yes, was I third did. edition. I did. You're, you're such a silly boy. Yes, file me under ID10T. 
Congratulations, Jim. <laughs> when did that ship? <laughs> now, we had that practice much better. Yeah, it, it worked well the first time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not, not so awkward. <clears throat> uh, that shipped May 16th of 2008. <laughs> That's awesome. I didn't even know that, that you were an author. Uh, yes. A, 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 a non-fiction author, so I don't know if that counts. You work harder on your books than I do. <laughs> Being a, 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 a non-fiction author, uh, I would say that it does. All right. Because it, it is a lot of work to do non-fiction stuff, but, you know... I, and I do want to talk to you uh, about your book, but I also want to talk to Murr about her book, which is coming out. Because yes, Murr also has Murr a also book has out. a book, and and this is uh, your your official first book in print from a major publisher from Swarm Press. Official first uh, fiction book. Fiction yes. book, yes. And uh, That's yeah, true. It's, you also had a nonfiction book out. Yes, uh, Tricks of the Podcasting Masters came out two years ago. But uh, Playing for Keeps is my first fiction novel published, and uh, it's coming out from Swarm Press. Launch date is uh, 8.25, so that's that's my big push on Amazon. Woohoo! Awesome. Woot! So we're, we are going to line up everyone on 8.25 and get them to buy your book. That's right. And buy two. They're small. <laughs> <laughs> Have a Nagila. Have two Nagila. <laughs> They're small. They're pretty small. <laughs> yeah. I'll take them. <laughs> That's so cool. I know that, that uh, playing for keeps has been, uh, of, of, I think, of all the works that you've put out, it's, it's kind of like your, uh, your darling. It's like uh, the one you really didn't want to let go of. Uh, yeah, it was. It was. It's my first novel. Uh, a lot of people think that because it came out podcast wise after Heaven, that Heaven came first. But I was trying to get Playing for Keeps published. So uh, while I was writing Heaven, so Playing for Keeps was my first novel, and I really wanted it to go uh, into major publishing. And it just I couldn't get an agent, and it wasn't selling. So that's when I decided to podcast it last fall. And it got uh, around 20,000 listeners, and I was really pleased with it, and I was ready to put it to bed. And then Swarm Press contacted me and just said, hey, how do you feel about putting this out? And I said, uh, okay. So uh, it's it's really exciting. It's, it's interesting to have to ramp up the marketing machine again because, you know, I did this all back in November for the same book. But um, <laughs> it's been a lot of fun, and I'm trying to get people interested in it again and you know the listeners are extremely supportive and so i'm i'm excited well we we were at a loss as to why anyone would not want to publish this book to begin with so we're we're really happy to to see yeah happy to see it uh coming out through swarm um swarm is uh uh launching a new imprint is that right uh, Permuted is actually Permuted is an existing horror press, and they wanted to branch out into sci-fi fantasy, so they created Swarm. Uh huh. But it's the same publisher. Cool. So, um, what what is the cover going to look like? Is it going to look like the uh, the version that you did um, for the the uh, self published book? 
No, Swarm decided they wanted to come up with their own uh, cover art, and seeing as how, you know, the, the art that I had uh, created by uh, J.R. Blackwell, Jared Axelrod, and J.C. Hutchins is beautiful, and I love it a lot. Um, it was not designed to sell the book. It was designed to be a graphical uh, companion of sorts and, you know, be the nice 300 by 300 thing that goes on your iPod. And, you know, professional artists who create book covers for a living know what to do to sell a book. And besides, it was in my contract that they got to create a new cover. So <laughs> um, I'm, I'm very pleased with it. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to compare it to what, uh, those three beautiful, wonderful people did. Uh, I think it's it's like I said, it's art for different reason. Because um, the the art for the other books are uh, the art for a book cover is to sell the book, and I think the publisher knows a little bit more about that than I do. Um, it, it's a it's a woman in the sort of classic Superman pose, um, pulling her shirt open to reveal a uh, to reveal a um, super like a superhero suit underneath which is you know if you've read the book or listened to the book is doesn't really happen or but our it's a more of a metaphor thing so correct. it's correct yeah. <laughs> metaphors are we we get it <laughs> yes cool well um why don't why don't we uh head over to twitter lands for a moment and uh we have a question from t reed he would like to know uh what happens when you hit a uh, a, a rough patch or, or a dry patch how do you uh, get past that and get back in the groove of writing i whine a lot <laughs> 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 i i i do uh i i podcast about it on i should be writing and then after a couple of days i finally tell myself to get over myself and and do that thing i said i was going to do as my full-time job and that tends to work, does it? Usually, yeah. Good. You know, I, I, I've learned that I, if I give myself a little bit of time to accept the feeling sorry for myself, it lasts not nearly as long than if I fight it and just secretly feel sorry for myself. That makes good sense. Yeah. Yeah. You acknowledge your emotions and then you can move on. Yeah, I do that with uh, rejections a lot. Yeah. I, I, I let myself have a night of, oh, man, I suck. I'll never get published. And then the next day I have to get back on it. So what kind of ratio do you get, you know, rejections versus acceptances? I don't think, well, actually, this would be a better question for Jim because he knows my, I, I don't think that math can measure it at this point in my career. It's a, it's a non-zero ratio, isn't it? Because you do have an acceptance, but it's really technically okay. Yes, it's it's. I have had acceptances for a couple of stories in the book, but uh, I've had so many rejections that how, how would you describe it, math man? Math man? Yes, or uh, miss or Ms. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> it lies somewhere between zero and infinity. There we go. <laughs> it's a positive number. Okay. I believe that that num that would be described as infinitesimal. Well, not, that no, 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 no. Okay, so it's lar- it's, it, it'd be significantly larger than infinitesimal. Yes. Yes. Like a couple out of several hundred? Yeah. Uh, and, and, see, right. yeah. and see, okay. I would expect that's also the ratio that most writers get. So it, you get rejections. I, I'm sure Stephen King doesn't get rejections, but 
anymore. anymore. Right. But uh, still, it's it pays to be persistent to just keep at it. Oh, totally. What about you, Jim? Do I get rejections? You get rejections? Um, well, I've only worked on the one book, and that was sheerly because I knew somebody. I was at the SIGGRAPH graphics conference, which is going on right now. Uh, and a guy I knew came up to me and said, Hey, I see you were teaching this course on math for programmers. How'd you like to write a book? I thought, well, okay, sure. Why not? <laughs> Little knowing how much work yes. it was. <laughs> <laughs> With a that, pregnant wife and all. That was my first mistake. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's really been my only experience, which is completely unfair. When did uh, when did the first edition publish? When was that? Was in two thousand four. Yeah, that's right, two thousand four. Uh, March. And uh, did you have to do significant changes uh, to the mathematics, to the structure well, of the book for the second edition, or? Most of the work done on the second edition was done by my co-author. The There were three chapters that focus on computer graphics, and they were a little out of date, so he took a lot of time to update and revise them. Most of the work that I did was taking the other chapters and rearranging them, slightly updating them, but mostly rearranging them so they flow it a little better and there's one new chapter on random numbers well it sounds like the book that you work on is considerably different from fiction works because (laughs) 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 i'm not just that it's not non-fiction versus fiction but that you go back and you review it and you make changes to it whereas uh, when a fiction work is published it's like that's it it's that's the complete work and very rarely does an author go back and rewrite that particular that particular story like Stephen King when did he do that well he released the extended version of the stand that's right that's right and then there was uh, Clockwork Orange which the US cut out the final chapter and then Burroughs added the final chapter in in a later edition yes but one would say that wasn't actually rewritten. That's more of an editorial or publishing um, yeah. edit. Yeah, director's cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to move on now to a question from C.A. Sizemore. Uh, this is addressed to, to you, Jim. Uh, what is it like to be living with the font of awesome that is Mer Lafferty? <laughs> Sit back, Mer. Relax. <laughs> Pick up your Merlot. Just, just sit there. <laughs> I work so hard. <laughs> oh, I'm getting the look. <laughs> Every day is a bounty of awesomeness. <laughs> I don't know how. I don't know how I can stand it. It's awesome. It really is great. (laughs) I feel like the luckiest guy on earth, in all seriousness. Aww. That's sweet. (laughs) And on that note, I think we're going to uh, take a break for a moment to play some messages from 
some fine podcasts, and we will be right back. With more questions. Dimensions, the measure of reality. For years, the Western world had been content to think in only three dimensions, until H.G. Wells taught us to expand our thinking to include another we had overlooked, time. Einstein confirmed it. Riemann proposed others, flinging the door wide open to possibilities of new, unmapped spaces, and with them, possibilities of how we might reach those spaces, and what might lie there in wait to reach us. Welcome to the Astral Audio Experience, a podcast for the ears, for the mind, for the imagination. Featuring interviews, music from independent bands, original audio dramas, and fresh comedy. You never know what is lurking around the corner. Just open your mind to the possibilities. Subscribe today at feeds.feedburner.com slash astral audio. And we are back talking with Mer Lafferty and Jim Van Verth uh, about books and fiction. And uh, we're trying an experiment today. I've, uh, I've put it out on Twitter that we're doing the interview right now. And we have uh, questions for the pair. So, uh, Heather Welliver would like to know if you guys watch any TV at all anymore, and if so, what's your favorite show? Uh, what's your... Hold on, I have to read. What's your favorite current show? Together or... <laughs> individually, together. In any order. And Yeah. Well, for me, individually, uh, my favorite show right now is The Office, simply because the dialogue is, is mind-bogglingly great, and since I'm trying to write an audio drama about an office situation, it's, uh, I'm learning a lot. And I just I think the, the acting, and it's, it's hysterical and dark and uh, very wrong, and I'm, I really enjoy it a lot. Is that the British or the American version? The American version. I, I was, I was, uh, I held back a lot, and especially after I, I loved the British version, and then I saw the pilot of the American version, which was almost a carbon copy of the British, which just annoyed me. But then after they did that carbon copy pilot, they they split off and did their own plot lines and and developed their own characters, and you know you still got the. Uh, pretty yet plain receptionist and the boy who loves her and the sycophantic um, assistant to the boss but they they have their own they're, they're their own people now and uh, the, the American version really I think it deserves all the awards it's won it's fantastic Jim? Um, well, mine would be The Closer mm. for many similar reasons I think I mean I like police procedurals in general uh, but I get kind of bored with them because you know you're solving the same crime over and over again essentially but i just love the characters on the closer they're just they're all um unique and fleshed out and the little business that they do with each other the subtle the subtle touches in the show i just love it 
it's human interaction between the characters apart from yeah. the whole story plot yes line. exactly exactly and brenda's just a trip she's a hoot to watch she's the main character on the closer and do the two of you have a favorite show together it's, i would guess it's probably heroes yeah heroes or bsg yeah yeah i mean i'll sometimes watch if he's watching the closer and I'm in the room, I'll watch it with him. But I'm not as as dedicated to it as he is. If he watches it without me, I, I don't even notice. So, I mean, I'll notice he's watching TV. I just won't notice that I've missed a closer. Oh my God! So, and you know, I'll watch House with him. But um, it's it's something I'll enjoy while doing it with Jim. Not something I seek out to do. You know, something I, I would miss, as I said. So. Right, solely for its own purpose yeah right now oh, that's cool. have you been watching the trailers that are coming out for heroes right now have no you, have actually you seen the heroes and villains trailer um we've seen the ones that are on tv i don't yeah we haven't seen the, we haven't seen the webisodes yeah just the, I don't ones, know if on I've seen the ones on tv oh, okay. Okay. it's it's the whole tivo thing it's like usually it's a it's a blessing and then other people say did you see something that played in between the the tv that you watch and i say well no <laughs> i always wonder why people ask me if i've seen this commercial or that i'm thinking i, I haven't don't seen a commercial in five years don't you people have tivo <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes we're the same way <laughs> yeah I, w- I was just um i don't know i'm not that thrilled with uh with what they have planned for this 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 third season of heroes i thought the first season was amazing and uh i really thought that they they cheaped out by bringing siler back in the the second season and yeah, that was, that and was, now now they're you know they're they're basically hidden somewhere underground or a whole bunch of villains that suddenly get out and we have heroes versus villains, and uh, with yeah, Siler, we had villains. Yeah, well, yeah. with Siler still around, eating people's powers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't he go after them? Because he's on the villain side, you know. Yeah. But the the hero plot line, uh, hero Nakamura plot line, was pretty good last season. I thought. Yes, I yeah. would have to agree. Yes. Yes. Um, they're just the the whole the whole uh, all the work they did to bring well the, the the plot line with Peter was kind of weird yeah where they they sent him off to Ireland and wiped his memory and just all sorts of strange things I don't know <laughs> you you weren't entirely happy with the direction that it went maybe it no. will surprise you this year quite possibly quite possibly you got another question yeah um what's what is your favorite book from your childhood and let's start with Mur. um the one that comes to mind is the hero in the crown by robin mckinley because i had been wanting uh fiction featuring a, a female fantasy hero and i wasn't getting it like the narnia books really just gave susan and lucy weapons and then they said oh but you can't use them it's ugly when women fight in war and um that really really pissed me off and then i think hero in the crown was the first thing i read where uh there was just a, a female character who just kicked a lot of ass and and um it really 
it inspired me, you know, as a as a as a young girl and as a young writer and and it was just all sorts of good. And for Jim, same question. Um, I greatly enjoyed Newton's Principia Mathematica. <laughs> <laughs> Which I read when I was six. I'm going to call you Ms. again. (laughs) In the original Latin? Yes, of course. Of course. (laughs) It's the only way. Um, I'm actually kind of stumped. I would probably... I'm going to cheap out and probably say it was The Hobbit because that was the book that opened up fantasy and, and all of that realm to me. Uh, it's a funny story about that. I was actually reading The Exorcist. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And my mother, my mother caught me reading it and said, no, you, why don't you read this instead? <laughs> and that was a wise choice on her part. <laughs> How old were you? Uh, I think it was probably eight. I don't And you just picked up Whoa. the exorcist? Just started reading the exorcist. Just for the hell of it. It was just lying around? It makes me want to go lock up half our library. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you never know what the offspring will be picking up next. <laughs> yes. Well, Jim had to remove uh, Marvel zombies from the Pink Tornado's hands, and she did not like that at all. Wow. What was the quote of her? You never let me look at zombies. <laughs> <laughs> she was mad. <laughs> so, uh, uh, now, I think by now everyone's heard of Dr. Horrible. And, yes. uh, and And the wonderful superhero who seems to be more concerned about his hair than, uh, than about catching the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um and, and um, that just uh, it it really sort of seemed to be just a, a, a direct riff of uh, of your own playing for keeps. Have, I mean, when when you saw that, did it did it anger you? Did it make you feel validated? Or no, it was I I enjoyed I enjoyed it a great deal. I mean, you know, it it's I think in the past. What? How many years since Watchmen? People have been looking at superheroes in a in a you know have chosen to look at superheroes in a different light from time to time, and um, the it's I I thought it was funny. I loved it. I loved Doctor Horrible. I wasn't entirely pleased with how it ended. It just seemed kind of strange, but um, overall I loved it. Although I did laugh at the fact that um, in the first playing for keeps uh podcast i did when i released the pdfs i put little easter eggs in them where i linked to audio files and uh i asked uh podcasters to do to to do these audio files for me and just basically gave them creative license and christiana ellis did this fantastic um sort of like how to be a super villain Series and the the chapter she chose to do was how to do an evil laugh, <laughs> and that's how Doctor Horrible opens yes. with Doctor Horrible trying out his evil laugh, working on it. It's, it's yeah. coming together. <laughs> and yeah. Christiana and I thought that was so funny. I I saw that and I was like, "That's Mert. That's you know, 
I, I tied that straight back to you. Oh, honey, it's a it's an old trope. Yeah, but if if you know if if Joss Whedon turned out to be a listener, I would be that would more be pleased awesome. with that than worrying that he stole something from me. Because I mean, you guys know how I am with ideas. Ideas are cheap. It's the execution that matters, and his execution, while having a little bit in common with what I did, is you know was unique and beautiful and hysterical and. Yeah, I, I, you know, rising tide lifts all boats. The, the the popularity of Doctor Horrible could do nothing but help playing for keeps. Awesome. Uh, hopefully, uh, one of these days, uh, he'll uh, he'll admit that he listens to your podcast. <laughs> they ripped you off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, but you know, yeah. You put your money where your mouth is when it comes to giving away ideas, and and you understand that. You, a, a good writer is going to come up with uh, a, a thousand ideas for every one that she puts in print. Mm-hmm. And, and I believe you have a blog that you use to uh, to kind of put your money where your mouth is. Yeah, pretty much. I, I was doing the news from Poughkeepsie for a while. I, I named it that because um, actually there are two different stories now. Uh, apparently somebody asked in one version it's Harlan Ellison and another version it's Kurt Vonnegut, where do you get your ideas? And apparently, according to story, Carlin Ellison said Poughkeepsie, and Kurt Vonnegut said Schenectady. Ah. And when I was researching this this uh, comment, I found Harlan Ellison's first, so that's why I call it the news from Poughkeepsie. And it's been, like, the ideas aren't that tough, but coming up with a daily blog post is, and I've kind of, it's, it's fallen by the wayside recently, and I honestly don't know if I'm going to be picking it back up, but it was a lot of fun there for a little while. I got up into the 80s, I think. So there are plenty of ideas to get started with if anyone is exactly. short on ideas. Exactly. Yep. And And you basically list list uh, story ideas of things on the blog in the blog yes i give i give out a free idea every uh i well, I gave out a free idea every day just either you know a character or a scene or a setting or a first line stuff like that cool very cool and we will definitely link to that in our show notes so um Let's go. Uh, let's go back to uh, playing for keeps. Uh, is there any th- any new material in the Swarm Press book? No, it's it's edited, so you know people aren't going to uh, find a couple of inconsistencies that slip through the the uh, audio version. Um, but it's there. There's nothing new. I am releasing. Um, a short story with the PDF, and actually, Paul, I needed to talk to you about that. <laughs> but um, I, I, Paul, if anybody doesn't know, Paul did all the layout of the PDFs for the first podcast release, and I was very grateful to him for all his hard work. But um, I'll be releasing a new short story for the uh, new PDF release, which will come out on August twenty second, and that will be sort of bridging playing for keeps and a. Hopefully, second book if it sells well enough. We can't wait until the storyline continues, since you left us with something of a cliffhanger. Now a you, little bit, a little bit of a cliffhanger. Yep. Now you've also got um, uh, people um, doing new things for you for the release of the book. You've got 
you you got beaten the beatnik turtle to make a theme song for you. Yes, which has to be the coolest thing ever. Yes, it was. It was awesome. And now you are doing a music video. I wanted to do a music video contest for Playing for Keeps, and Beatnik Turtle thought that was a great idea. But I realized we didn't have enough time before the launch of the book to give people um, enough time to do a good quality video. So I cut the song into you know 15 to 30 second hunks to uh, tell people just to do something for that, and I'm going to cut it all together. And anybody who makes the final video will win either Swarm Books, Beatnik Turtle CDs, and the best one will win a flip video cam. Ooh. <laughs> and I just want to tell you all right now, you all going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. I've, I've already gotten some uh, pretty fun clips. It's, it's going to be... It's going to be a lot of fun. And I did say that if I got 40 entries, I would dance for the video. But I haven't even gotten 40 people asking about it. It's close. It's like 35. But I know that I'm going to have some attrition, people who say they're interested and then not deliver. So we're nowhere near the 40. So luckily, I don't have to dance. I forgot to send in my entry. (laughs) (laughs) I think probably legally you're ineligible, dear. (laughs) Did you state that up front? Now, now. <laughs> but what would it look like if my husband won a flip cam on my own video contest? <laughs> well, oh, I think people rushed. would cry yeah. foul. He just wants to see me dance. <laughs> <laughs> you went on our wedding. I agree. <laughs> what he watched, he didn't actually dance with you. We're both. Yeah, okay. I was dancing. Well, good. Cool. I'm just saying he saw me. He's acting like he's never seen me dance before. <laughs> so, getting back to the book. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, back at the book. Um, is there uh, is there anything else that's going to be coming out in your podcast feed to help promote the book? Any uh, fan oh, fiction? <laughs> or... Yes, uh, Stories of the Third Wave is has been restarted, and we're pretty much going to have uh, daily content between now and the launch of the book. Wow. It's uh I've gotten so much awesome stuff from people. I've already already started release some things and I've gotten like existing podcasts focusing their content on playing for keeps like Manic Mondays by Tom Rockwell and what went out today was the Geek Survival Guide on Supervillains. Um and then, you know, you've I've got other people doing original stuff like uh Matt Selznick, Grant Pachoco, uh Christian Ellis I've got just so many people doing some awesome stuff. And then on top of that, I have original fiction from Matt Wallace and J.C. Hutchins coming. Ooh, wow. So, yes, I have an awful lot of content going in the feed between now and the 25th. Sweet. Excellent. I've been, uh, I just listened to the Tom Rockwell piece today, and I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, he pulled in Luke Ski to play the part of the Piddler, which uh, you know, I, I I was so I was so impressed and, and and honored that you know, and of course Tom's just like, well, yeah, I get Luke to do most of my interviews, and I'm just like, I don't care, it was awesome. <laughs> cool. Well, um, be, before we go. Um, I just got a another quick question. This one's for Jim from Heather Welliver off Twitter. 
Uh, Jim, if you could bring back one game and make it really, really popular, what would it be? Oh, good question. So one game that's out of print, I assume. Or just, or just out of favor. Yeah. Well, right. tell people about your podcast first. Yes. Tell okay. us why that question is is apropos for you. Um, yes, I do a podcast called The Vintage Gamer, where I talk about games from the past, either board games, car games, role-playing games, or video games, but mostly board games. So a game from the past that, just bring it back into favor. Hmm. Lawn darts. <laughs> I really liked lawn darts. <laughs> and we didn't even throw them at each other. <laughs> um, well, the game that comes to mind, it, this is really a, an obscure game. The, there was a game that they found boards from in China. Unfortunately, I'm spacing the name right now. Um, but all they have is the board. It was the most popular game in China for centuries. And then people just stopped playing it. And there's no record of the rules. All they have is the boards, and they know that it was a complete craze. So I would love to be able to see what the rules of that game were. That would be kind of like, you know, having a chessboard show up. And exactly. then, and then, like, okay, well, it's got squares on it. What does that mean? It's got these pieces, and you don't know how to set them up. And you know, you're probably going to end up with a set that has four pawns in it, and maybe a bishop. Right. And then just guess at what the, those pieces do, and how you make the decision as to where they move. That's got to be frustrating. That's that lost knowledge. Exactly. Were there any pieces, or was it just the board? They have the board and the pieces. Okay. But they just, they have no rules. Um, a more modern example is probably the game Magic Realm, which I think should be reprinted. It's a board game published by Avalon Hill, and it's may well be the most complicated fantasy board game ever created. E- even past Arkham Horror? Far past Arkham Horror. Wow. wow. <laughs> That's saying something. Um, how, how many days did it take to set this up to start playing? <laughs> I don't think that it takes... It, it doesn't take a long time to set the game up. It's more that there are so many rules. Like, in Arkham Horror, the, comp- the complexity is from all the pieces. And then there's a lot of that is just stored in the cards, as it were. But in this one, it's all rules. So learning the rules and learning how to play the game. But it has sadly been out of print for quite a while now. And I think somebody should bring it back into print. Roughly how long was the gaming session amongst people who knew the rules? For Magic Realm? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm going to embarrass myself and say I haven't played it yet. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I only I only just got a copy a couple weeks ago. Um, for some reason, the price on eBay has dropped by about fifty dollars. It was selling for over a hundred dollars, and now it's selling for around sixty. 
Wow. Sounds like Archie McVie uncovered uh, a few pallets of it somewhere. Hey, whatever works. At least I got a copy. And the possibility, if Paul's surmise is correct, that there's someone else out there who has the game and can play it with you. Yes. Excellent. Well, Jim and Murph, thank you very, very much for joining us here on the ADD cast. We want to wish you all the best in your book releases. The uh, Essential Mathematics for Games and Interactive Applications, a Programmer's Guide, the Morgan Kaufman series in interactive 3D technology. And I actually have second to read edition. that. Yes, second edition. Take a deep breath. Yes. Yes. Take a deep breath before you hyperventilate. Yes. Uh, <laughs> w- w- you were, you, sh- were you paid by word uh, for that title? <laughs> I did not come up with that. <laughs> I, I just wanted math for program for game programmers. <laughs> Short to the point, tells you exactly what it is. Yes, because you know, m- m- game programmers and mathematicians not famous for that whole long-winded reading thing. <laughs> no. Um, you can go to essentialmath.com and there's you can get uh, example. Yes, EssentialMath.com. <laughs> That's the dot-com bill. I, I have files from our tutorials, and you can get some information about the book there, too. Awesome. Excellent. And also, uh, congratulations on getting uh, officially published with Swarm Press. We know that uh, you will be sending a copy over to the Baltimore Science Fiction Society so that you can get entered for the 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 Compton Crook Award. What is the right. yes. what's the name of that? Yes, what's the what's the name of that award that we give out? Yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I did uh, I did ping my publisher about it, so hopefully he's taking care of it. So if he hasn't, I'll be happy to send one of my copies, but he did say he would be entering, so. Excellent. Well, I will uh, I will uh, make sure that it arrives with the proper people there, and uh, of course, thank you. Since uh, since I am involved uh, in it, uh, I, I I cannot be involved in the actual judging of it. Right. Yeah, that's probably fair. Yes, we we need to keep these things fair. That's hey, true. yeah. If if you're not involved and I win, it's, it's that much sweeter. There you go. Yep. And uh, other than playing for. Playing for Keeps, which is soon to be published by Swarm Press. What? Uh, where can we find all things Mur? All things Mur is at murverse.com. <laughs> Good. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're just interested in Playing for Keeps, uh, you can find that at playingforkeepsnovel.com. The novel part's important. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> what happens when you go to playingforkeeps.com? It redirects you to White Water. <laughs> it redirects you to whitehouse.com. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think it's a squatter. Somebody's just trying to keep keep it so some uh, poor hack like me who wants the URL will pay them lots of money. So I just did playing for keeps novel. So ha ha yes ha pox upon them. <laughs> Absolutely excellent. Well, thank you again for joining us on here on the ADD cast, and uh, I think we are going to play the theme song to your novel. Playing for Keeps by the Beatnik Turtle on our way out. And remember, folks, you can't control the stimulus. Control Control the the response. response.
My name is Mer Lafferty, and last winter my superhero novel, Playing for Keeps, was the first book to be delivered via audio and PDF podcast at the same time. 20,000 people have enjoyed this novel, and now it's coming out in print. Playing for Keeps will be published by Swarm Press this August 25th. Many of you helped this book become one of the most popular in podcast history, and I'd like your help again. I need to make a splash on Amazon to push my book up the charts and get more exposure. So I'm asking you to head to Amazon on August 25th to purchase Playing for Keeps. Don't think that since I'm hitting print, I'm forsaking the podcasting. During the month of August, I'll be celebrating the print release of Playing for Keeps with several treats. I'm reawakening stories of the third wave, bringing you content connected to the world of Playing for Keeps from hot names in podcasting, like Christopher Lester, Casey Schultz, Matthew Wayne Selznick, J.C. Hutchins, and Matt Wallace, just to name a few. I'm holding a video contest for the song Playing for Keeps, where contestants can win Swarm Books, Beatnik Turtle CDs, or a flip video camera. Close to the launch of the book, I'll be re-releasing the PDF, along with all the original comic book art, styled by Jared Axelrod and Natalie Metzger, and an exclusive can't-find-anywhere-else short story called Parasite Awakens. And on the day of, the day when we do our assault on Amazon and make you all heroes of the 25th, You'll have frequent video updates from me, letting you know how the book is doing, and perhaps some messages from other podcasters. It should be very amusing. So go now to playingforkeepsnovel.com, right now, and subscribe to get the new content, the PDFs, and the video updates. And remember to go to amazon.com on August 25th to purchase the book. I can't do it without you.